Welcome to Timberline Windsor. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We are a church family that strives to let love live in every facet of our lives. We at Timberline Windsor desire everyone, every man, woman, and child that calls this church family home to be a part of Connections. To join one today, visit our website or download the Timberline app. Enjoy today's message. What is life after death? What is life after death? What is heaven? I want us to start off our service this morning and start off our new year, happy new year, by the way, looking at most, possibly the most amazing, joy-filled, powerful thing that we could possibly look at, heaven and heaven's overlap with earth. And you're going to hear me say that a couple of times, both for emphasis and because we're starting off the service with teaching. So people are just getting settled, both here and online, and it's so, so good to see you and be with you. So as we're just getting settled, I want to share something that might surprise you a little bit. This might surprise you, but the eternal reality of believers is not just in heaven. The Bible tells us that all of creation will be entirely renewed and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Isaiah 65, 17, for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. 2 Peter 3.13 expands that this will be a place in which righteousness dwells. That's in contrast to the present existence, which is overrun by sin and decay. 2 Peter 3.13, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which which righteousness dwells. (coughs) Revelation 21.1 tells us that the present realities of heaven and earth will pass away. And with Isaiah 65 as the backdrop, the former existences, the ones that are overrun by danger and death, shall be remembered no more. See, God originally intended the entirety of his creation, the fullness of heaven and the fullness of earth, to be permanent, together, in harmony and peace, and most importantly, present with him. Untold adventure endless exploration, safe and sustained experience wherever you go. Whenever we presently enjoy or experience joys in creation, we're seeing only the hints or the remnants, the dust left behind by what God originally had crafted. And whenever this creation brings us joy, when we look at the stars or experience the vastness and the beauty of the mountains, or the oceans, or the food, or the animals, we should give thanks to God who provides us everything to enjoy. 1 Timothy 6, 17. The God that shows us what he is like by what he has made. Psalm 19, verse one and two. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork, his craftsmanship. Day to day pours forth speech, and night Tonight declares knowledge. 
See, we may say it like a mere cliche whenever we enjoy a good meal or see a good scene, God is good. But it's way more than just a cliche. That's the true meaning of what we're seeing. The God that created all this is good. But sin and decay and death came to reign and deteriorate, and that was by our own doing. And that right there shows you the high position, the high stewardship that God entrusts mankind with, unparalleled with anything else in all of creation, angels included. The sheer fact that our actions have implications that stretch and impact across all of creation shows us that God put us in quite a role. Now, when scripture tells us about the new heavens and the new earth that we're awaiting, the original language of that word new isn't just new in time. It's more like new in quality or freshness. So maybe a better word than new heavens and new earth would be renewed heavens and renewed earth or fresh heavens and a fresh earth. I love that fresh heaven and a fresh earth. That's our everlasting home. And I want to repeat that again because that should make our hearts, our souls leap for joy and expectation. A fresh heaven and a fresh earth will be our everlasting home with God, in the presence of God. Once again, for those that are wondering where the worship music is or why we're starting off our services like this this morning, this new year, it's because we want to start off by looking immediately at the greatest thing that we can possibly see, our eternal reality, the new heavens and the new earth with God. That is our eternal, everlasting home that awaits us. But that is actually not what we enter at the point of the end of our earthly life, what we call death. I'm not trying to burst any bubbles here. All that good, fresh stuff we just talked about is most certainly the reality and eternity that we're awaiting. But if the fresh heaven and the fresh earth is yet to come upon Jesus's return and renewing all things, then like I asked at the very beginning, What is life after death? Some of us may be familiar with some suggestions that people have developed over time about that state upon death, like purgatory or soul sleep or immediate resurrection, instantaneous resurrection. But here's what we can know from what scripture teaches us. In life after death, we, believers, are present with God in the state of heaven. That's a state, that's a place with the greatest, fullest manifestation of God's presence in current existence. The most full containing, if if God could ever be contained, which he can't, but the fullest manifestation of God's presence in all of existence. Matthew 6, 1, and then again later in verse 9, as he begins the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us that God our Father is in heaven. And Jesus would know, since John says in chapter 13, Jesus had come from the very presence of God and was going back to the very presence of God. 
1 Peter 3, 22. Jesus Christ has gone back into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. With Jesus, in the presence of God Almighty, that is our reality and the sole existence of believers at the point that our earthly life has ended. Some of you may remember that Jesus on the cross turned to one of the criminals next to him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. Luke 23, 43. Life after death is paradise. Better than any majestic mountain or white sandy beach reality or relaxing rest that we can conceive of in our time. This is where God's glory is seen and known and experienced firsthand, where angels, heavenly creatures, believers and saints all together in worship enjoy God alongside one another. Paul tells us about the great encouragement that we have as believers in this state in 1 Thessalonians 4. This is why we believers have this very real but often strange mixture of, of hope and comfort and still sorrow when someone's earthly life has ended. There is sorrow. There is a real profound loss. But Paul teaches us that we don't mourn as if those who have no hope. We mourn as those who know there's something else. There's a paradise, a peaceful existence that those believers have entered into. There is sorrow, but it's not like the sorrow of people that don't have renewed life, don't have redeemed, restored souls and peace with God. And I know I, I can hear myself continuing to say the word believers, believers, believers over and over again as we talk about this. And please hear me. Don't mistake that for specifying believers as being selective. It's a universally extended offer of regenerated souls, of renewed, restored souls. And it's awaiting any and all who may accept it, who may believe in it. We use the term believers, but you could also use the term acceptors or recipients of life, renewed life and peace after death. No matter how much a person studies it or explores it, the state of our souls in life after this one can be very difficult for us to wrap our heads around, even inconceivable, to borrow a brief quote from Princess Bride. God's word does address it. That'd be life after death, not the Princess Bride. But the Bible addresses it more incidentally than comprehensively. Because here's the thing, while it's a major question that you and I have, what happens after this life? The Bible's actually more interested in something that's even better than that. So you and I often question what happens after this life, or you and I often fear what happens after this life. But the Bible tells us there's a really good reality, and there's an even better reality that you're awaiting. More on that in just a bit. But I want to invite Pastor Patrick up and Jan up. I want to have a little dialogue real quick. I want to make sure as they're coming up of something that, that this talk about life after this life, what that's like, and then the renewed heavens and the renewed earth, I want to make sure in no way this is, this is like a downer or a 
bursting of something, diminishing our joy or our confidence. There's a mystery here. There's, there's things we don't know about our lives after our souls after this life. So, so here's a statement that I want to put on the screens. We believers can trust from God's word, not mine, that an immediate place and condition of blessedness with God himself and others, believers, awaits our souls. If you want to have confidence in something, have confidence in what scripture teaches us about that. That's good, good news. This is what Jesus called paradise. And even then, it's not as good as it one day fully will be. But I invited these two up here because I want to have a quick dialogue about um, where we have, we have learned things, especially from songs, that have tweaked our theology a little bit, tweaked what we expect a little bit. So Jan, here's the first question that's going to go to you. What has our playlist, the songs around us or our culture, taught us about heaven? Well, a lot. I mean... We, um, we started, actually, in our, Amer- our American culture um, with songs of liberation and from oppression and tyranny, actually during, especially during like the Civil War and slavery. So Canaan, the Old Testament promised land, was also a promised land to the enslaved. It not only represented the Christian heaven, but was also used, I thought this was interesting, as a code word um, for Canada. Which was the furthest that you could head north to to um, run from slavery at that time, and so in those old spirituals, you heard a lot about the rescue or Beulah Land, if you have ever heard that. So as I was growing up in um, a little Baptist church in Aurora, I remember singing a lot of songs, <laughs> and all those all those hymns were in the back of the hymnal, you know, to 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 sing about the heaven songs. And they were written also during times of um, struggle, maybe through depression, through the wars. Um, I remember when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Or in the sweet by and by, we will meet on that beautiful shore. I always, what shore? I don't know. I mean, but we sang that. Uh, Or when the roll is called up yonder, Anybody? I'll be there. That was, a, that was also, you know, an invitation time, kind of song. In modern, in modern songs, like when I was growing up, heaven started being used in modern songs, um, but a little different because as other belief systems were being integrated into our American, you know, lifestyle, um, I remember knock, knock, knocking on heaven's, heaven's door. door. That was a good one. Or um, anybody remember this one? Let's see if I can do it. (laughs) Oh, you do. Somebody was there. That's the one all my students say, teach me Stairway to Heaven. No. Um, Great music, I bad know, theology. I know, way bad theology. I don't know what they were thinking on that one. Um, Belinda Carlisle thinks that heaven is a place on earth. Uh, Bruno Mars compares his love life to heaven. I won't 
go into that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. Some believe that their home is heaven. You might remember Kevin Cosner in Field of Dreams being asked the question, is this heaven? No, no it's, it's Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. Well, and, and I think perhaps a sad undercurrent. Um, I remember my, my son loved Death Cab for Cutie anybody remembers Death Cab for Cutie, there was a song called, I Will Follow You Into the Dark. And it really was about a couple that ventured into death toward nothingness um, because in their minds there was nothing to believe in. So it began to, to make those changes. So there's a long and varied list, yeah. uh, you know, heaven playlist. And one of the things we learned as a church over the last year was that we learn our theology from songs. And in some ways, that's not a good thing. Pastor Patrick, where, if, if that's maybe where music has shifted our theology or, or made us have expectations that aren't biblically rooted, what is timelessly true? What, what lyrics or songs actually direct us in the right direction? Absolutely. Well, um, I, I don't have quite as cool of an answer as Jan did. I don't have any <laughs> um, 70s songs or 80s references, but... But having said that, um, I was thinking about that this week and, and just um, thinking about how the kind of the obvious answer to that would be anything that has to do with heaven or an eternal state that we might be in or experience. But I kind of thought about it and I thought, well, for me, like the thing, the foundation seems to be when it comes to lyrics that are timeless is anything that talks about the attributes of God because he is the creator and he has his, his attributes, his his love, his kindness, his, um, his justice, his mercy. Um, it, any attributes of God are the things that, for me, that stick out. Uh, it says in Hebrews 13, 8, um, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we just know that the, 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 timeless, um, the timelessness comes really from the attributes of God that don't change. He doesn't change. And so for me, I love to sing about things that I just know God is consistent and he doesn't change. So that's, I love that. Yeah. So in a moment, we're going to sing a song that, that is going to have some of those timeless lyrics. But a couple of things. First of all, if you're a guest with us, we don't always do services this way or almost ever. But um, we wanted to just welcome in the new year as a special, special service. And, and so welcome to the guests here, um, we'd love to know that you're here. I'd love to extend a welcome to you a little bit later. You can use what we call a connection card. It's in the seat backs in front of you or around you there. Um, you can also scan that QR code and it'll get you that, that electronic version. But I'd love to extend a welcome to you later on this week. It's a highlight of my week. Share prayer requests there, praise reports. If you need help connecting with other people, we'd love to do that. And on that, at Timberline Windsor, we intend everybody, every man, woman, and child that calls Timberline Windsor home to be a part of Connections. And so we want you to be in that. Um, there's a Connections wall in the Great Hall for you to check out what we have available. You can check online as well. But that's what we want, you to be in relationship with one another. That's where discipleship really starts moving and happening. Um, at this time, we're going to have a song in just a second, but I'm going to invite our ushers forward to collect our tithes and our offerings in our service. Uh, Timberline family, thank you for your faithfulness in giving through this church. If you're a guest, we don't ask that you participate in this. This is something that those of us that call this church home and want to see this church flourishing, we participate in because this is our home. This is our family. So I'm going to pray over our offering, and then uh, the offering will get passed throughout the aisles, and then we'll be in a song of worship. God, and, and this, what we're about to do in offering is 
worship. It is calling upon you and, and giving back to you what you've entrusted us with. We thank you for the providence. We thank you for the way that you've given us a church and a church home that we can benefit from and, and that we want to make sure, God, that you get our first fruits. Mm-hmm. You get the glory for what you've given us and, and that tethers our hearts to what we're doing here and the impact that we're able to make. So take what we offer back to you through your church and multiply it. Do miracles with it, God. We don't just want to give and see the lights on and and see ministries moving. We want to give and see the power of God move. So allow that to be our extension of worship Mm -hmm. as we sing this song. Amen. You guys can stay seated as these guys lead us.
good truth right there. I'm glad we have songs like that. You guys can maybe head down for a little bit. I'm glad we have songs like that that direct our attention to, to what is timelessly true about what we're awaiting and anticipating. You know, Ecclesiastes 7.2 says this, it is better to go into the house of mourning than to go into the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind and the living will lay it to heart. What that means is many people don't like thinking about death, the end of this life. They avoid funerals. And in in Ecclesiastes, that verse we just read, Solomon is not encouraging us to think morbidly. He's a wise man beyond our wisdom, and he's teaching us, telling us something many of us don't think about, that it is helpful for us in this life to think clearly about death, not avoid it. Not living just for the moment and living just for the parties and the feasting, but to live based on what's eternally true. Solomon's wisdom says that it's better to more often put our heads here in exploring the fullness of this life and the next one than just parties. Translation, this is a really good thing that we're talking about this morning. Now, I want to go even deeper. I want to turn our focus perhaps away from the question that we so often ask, what happens after this life? And I want to shift our focus to what scripture seems to focus on, how an overlap of heaven and earth works. How does heaven space, God's space, overlap with earth space, our space? This is going to be really cool, by the way, and you're going to especially catch that when that guy named Jesus comes up again. More than here versus there, this overlap has always been the biblical perspective. This union, heaven, earth, God's space, our space, this overlapping is what the Bible is all about. Parts of this are going to be a little repetitive with what we talked about in the first section, but but they're important for us to cover once more. God's space, our space, was created to be united with earth space, perfectly and permanently. In entering that space apart from God's space was our choice, a tragic choice. Again, showing us the great significance and impact that human beings are uniquely entrusted with. The Bible uses different terms for the space that we choose to enter that's apart from God's space. The Bible says phrases like this present age, or the age of sin and death, or just the world. 
And for those with an Old Testament mind, which biblical New Testament writers assume, and so we do well to kind of keep ourselves immersed and experienced in that, the tabernacle and the temple become absolutely central and pivotal. The tabernacle and the temple, those were initiatives by God where his presence, God's space, overlapped with our space. And with a nod to the Bible project, guys, we're, we're gonna view it like this. God's space overlapping with our space, specifically in the temple and the tabernacle. That's why those things, as you read the Old Testament, they're so key to understand. The space of overlap of God's space and our space found in the temple and the tabernacle is why when a person would enter those spaces, or for us, when we would read about those spaces, there is such an overflowing of holiness and even angelic beings pictured and modeled and encountered all over those spaces. They're supposed to represent the heavenly realities that, that our earthly space separated ourselves from. And that wasn't just symbolic or spiritual either the overlapping that took place in the temple and the tabernacle. There was actual, active, evident power in the temple and the tabernacle. This overlapping meant pockets where people could see that the effects of sin and even death was reversed and harmony was restored between those spaces. Whenever someone would enter those spaces, they would have to take it very seriously because there's still this distinction between God's space and our space. So for sinful man to enter into that overlapped space, the sin of mankind had to be dealt with, had to be absorbed, had to be cleansed. And so in the Old Testament, you have sacrifices. You have the practice of, of the guilt and the sin of mankind would be cleansed so that mankind could enter into that space. And this is where you get the offices of the priests and priestly sacrifices and even concentrated spaces of that overlap. Like maybe you've heard of the Holy of Holies. But it was a very real, observable overlap. Now enter Jesus. In John's prologue, which uniquely presents things on the overlap scale that we're trying to see here, God became man and made his dwelling with us. And if that doesn't stand out to you, it's because that word dwelling isn't very common for us. It's a translation of an original Hebrew word that literally meant tabernacled. John 1.14 says, and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, <laughs> overlapped among us. God's space overlapping with our space perfectly and not just overlapping. We had had that with the temple and the tabernacle before, but when Jesus comes, he comes as the lamb who comes to take away the sins of the world. John 1, 29. Remember those animal sacrifices that were used in Old Testament time to, to absorb the sin of a person so they could be cleansed to enter the overlap space. Jesus comes as the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Those lambs, the actual lambs, they were limited. So when John the Baptist sees Jesus and he proclaims, behold, the lamb who has come to take away the sin of the world, this is the unlimited sacrifice 
that doesn't have to be continually offered because of who Jesus was. He takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is the walking overlap of God's space and our space. And throughout his overlapping life, we see what? That the effects and the impact of sin and death are reversed everywhere he goes. We see power revealed. Once again, you gotta hear this. Don't think of the overlapping space as just a spiritual reality. Whenever or wherever overlapping happens in Jesus's life, there is real power that's evident in healing, reversing the effects of destruction and decay. Real power evident in exorcism. Real power evident in heart change. Real power evident in lives and hearts that, that are back in harmony with God and what life is like in his space. And to put a bit of a fast forward on things from there, all believers, Christians, those that are cleansed by his blood and filled with the spirit of God, Christians go as walking overlaps. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 6, 19 Paul says, don't you know that your very body is a temple? <laughs> is a walking overlap? Walking pockets where people can see the effects of sin and even death reversed and harmony and righteousness in those spaces is restored. Man, I want that kind of power evident in your life, church. I want that kind of intimacy and peace and blessing for you. And the world around us becomes blessed in that kind of an overlap too. So I wanna invite Pastor Patrick uh, and Jan to join me up here again. For some of us, what we've talked about in these two different sections, uh, it may be a fascinating deep dive. And I've lost others of you, and others of you have no idea what to make of this service on January 1st. So here's a summary. Here's a summary. Former teacher and me, if you hear nothing else, here's what we've talked about. Three points. First, there is tremendous peace and blessing that immediately awaits believers in life after death. Amen to that. Second, there is an even better, more full reality that comes with our final resurrection, a fresh heavens and a fresh earth. And then third, this overlap, this union of God's space and our space keeps happening in us and through us to bring souls into the great love and restoration. Now, that kind of confronts some things, like I heard in a country song something about we're all going to be angels when we die, or, or wait, I thought that perfected existence uh, came right at the moment that I die, or other pieces that may be a part of that ultimate kingdom reality. Some of that may be true, just part of the kingdom point, not at the immediate life after death. So, so let's keep learning about this. Let's keep our expectation and anticipation and hope and assuredness leaning into the far greater realities of God, things that surpass even the best conceptions that you and I 
can come up with. So with that, I want to invite these two to, again, lead us in a song. Well, and if you can't remember that, this song is a perfect example of good theology. It's a modern worship song and gives us that, the Christ story that we love to sing about. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter. Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless faith, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross has Jesus died, the that good news. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he Here in the power of Christ I 
here in the power of Christ I stand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I stand if you're anything like me you're, you're kind of sitting there going okay we're 43 minutes into this service I want to I want to stand. I want to participate in this worship beyond even just singing. There's something about that, and we'll get to that in a couple of minutes. Um, So what? So what? Kingdom come. Your will be done. Matthew 6, 10. Do the overlap in me. That's the so what. The kingdom came like it did on Christmas, and the kingdom keeps coming over and over and over as God fills his people with his spirit. What we talked about, maybe you remember our plea in our services on December 18th where we plead Ephesians 3:19 over people that, that knowing the love of Jesus, you would be filled with all the fullness of God. To use this weekend's language, that you would be fully overlapping. This is where I want us to pursue, pursue a verse, a Bible verse for 2023 as a church family. Remarkably easy to find. It's among the very last words in the entire Bible, and it should be remarkably easy to memorize. It's Revelation 22:20. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. That's it. That's what I want us to memorize and pursue in 2023, church family. Come, Lord Jesus. Yes, come, Lord Jesus, in the sense that we want the fullness of your kingdom. We want the fully renewed, fresh heaven and fresh earth to come. Man, that's going to be so good. And we look forward to that with incredible anticipation. Come, Lord Jesus, with that in mind. But come, Lord Jesus, in the present, like a call, a plea to fill us and fully overlap in us. Come, Lord Jesus. I want us to plead that, a fully overlapping life in this new year. Come, Lord Jesus. Do the great overlap in me and through me. Tabernacle with us. Overlap and fill us. Come, Lord Jesus. So what does a fully overlapped come Lord Jesus life look like? A life of worship, a life of new priorities, a life built on kingdom cares, not cares of the world, a life of sacrifice and generosity, a life of service, a life of humility and seeking the humble, a life of justice and healing and diversity and a life of outreach. Come, Lord Jesus, fill us. Do the great overlap. I'll tell you that as, as we think about great, great images and values like we've been talking about in this service, it brings us to the best things and best emotions and best intimacy that we can care about in life. Before we dive into worship and we invite you to stand, I want to share a little bit about the best intimacy and the best day of my life that I can think of, because it's going to relate to a lyric that we're going to talk about in just a bit. I don't think any day can top my wedding day. 
And my wife's not even here today, so this is not me trying to butter anything up or win points. My wedding day was fantastic. It was, uh, to paint the picture for you, it was an a awesome 70-degree day in Fullerton, California, at a golf course called Coyote Hills. And it was, it was beautiful. There was, there was waterfalls, and there was all of our family and friends gathered with us and spending time with us in, in a season unlike any other in my life. And I'll tell you what, I paid attention to none of it because I was anticipating my bride. I was awaiting my bride. I share that with you because that's the kind of rich, deep intimacy that this next song we're about to sing taps into. There's a lyric that says, like a bride waiting for her groom will be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our king as we sing, come Lord Jesus. Can't think of a better way to worship. Let's all stand. Let's proclaim that and tap into that worship. Yeah. 
We thank you for that, Jesus. Lord, we sing that those words right now, God, from our hearts, Jesus. Thank you, God. We just worship you, Jesus. We desire to be with you, God. God, we love your presence, God. We thank you that you are here with us now, God, but we long to just see you fully, Jesus. We look forward to when we can spend all of eternity with you, Jesus. We worship you right now. We're so thankful, God, for who you are. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We hope you encountered the love and power of Jesus in today's service. If you're interested in giving, for joining serving opportunities, and much more, visit TimberlineChurch.org connect. Have a great week. Go be the church and let love live.